Xbox Game Pass family plan gets detailed. Halo drops not a lot of details. And the start menu didn't have a really good week. Happy Friday, friends. It's, uh, it is good to be back now. I was supposed to do a podcast last Friday, but unfortunately, I finally lost the game and landed the vid, and uh, there, there was no way I was able to do it. But we are back on top of things. It was a pretty mild case, but whatever. Uh, I am back. I am happy doing the podcast, which makes me happy. It's a Friday before a holiday, but it's just a, it's a good week. There was a, there's a ton of stuff that went on this week. As I kind of, you know, talk about a lot, like we're heading into September and October, that's the busy time of the year, at least the second half of busy time of the year sort of thing. And so there's there's a lot to talk about from this last week, catching up everything else. Hopefully you did. I had a good week. I had a good week. It's, you know, I'm feeling good. Got a good night's sleep. And so here we are uh, kicking things off first. There's a new Windows 11 build that adds the Xbox subscriptions in the settings. It's not a big deal, but it just makes it a little bit easier so you don't always have to go to the web to do that sort of stuff. Uh, Microsoft announced that they found a serious vulnerability in the TikTok Android app, and they reported it, and now it's going to be patched, or it is patched. I don't use TikTok. I don't use Android all that often. Uh, so if you're an Android TikTok user, just make sure your app is fully updated because that is a good thing. Also, somewhat interesting, uh, Microsoft To Do is coming to Outlook for Windows. That may not sound all that interesting. What I find more interesting, Microsoft went through a phase where they had, with no joke, felt like 17 different task-style apps. They had To Do, they had other things. I think all of these things are starting to condense around a product Microsoft is building called Loops. And I think Loops is going to sort of be the new de facto like underlying technology for a lot of sort of up and coming initiatives. And I'll be curious to see how to do in Loops and all this stuff ties in together because I think it's going to be a little bit closer than some people might think. Um, Microsoft is also planning to have the Surface Pro 9 come in all sorts of flavors and varieties. That would include uh, Intel and ARM. Okay, two. Two, if you're, you know, if your hands tied behind my back, two varieties. Uh, that was comes from my buddy Zach, and I believe that to be accurate. That Microsoft typically had, uh, yeah, here we go. Like this was like the Pro X branding, and then they had um, like the Pro branding, and they were all these sort of different things. The question becomes like, when what happens with the Surface Pro 10? I guess they could do it. They could say X wasn't really 10; it was just X. And then we have Surface Pro 10. Either way, uh, look for a little bit of skew consolidation here and a little bit of simplicity. Actually, it's more of like a, uh, from what I was understanding of it, it was Microsoft's, rather than saying like we have a, a separate line that's ARM, like ARM and Intel, just sort of the same thing. You don't even really notice the difference. Like it's more of like a psychological thing to show that like, yeah, they're really just like kind of the same, even though they're really not. Uh, so there you go. Just be on the lookout for that. Uh, there's also a an August update for the Windows subsystem for Android that just makes things a little bit better and makes the Amazon App Store a little bit more performant, if you will. But also this week, this week was like a week of bashing the start menu. Uh, all sorts of people were coming out of the woodwork, including Tim Sweeney was knocking on the start menu. Basically, the, so massive qualification to what I'm about to say, because I work for a company that ships, sells, builds, and designs starts menus, alternative start menus, I guess, technically, for Windows. We build Start 11. It is a fantastic product. It is one of my favorite things. It's what drew me to Stardock, uh, and, and I love that we do this. But there's a, there's a lot of a lot of thought that goes into the start menu. And so what the bashing was online was there's a couple things, which, one, I am extremely uh, in agreement with, and, you know, career aside, 
is Microsoft put the start menu in the center. That is, that is not my issue. My issue is that the start button quite literally moves. And so Microsoft put the start button in the middle and every time you open an app, it goes boop, 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 and it moves. That is, that is terrible UI. Uh, it, it, it's bad for multiple things. One, it's not very good for, <laughs> for if you have a disability and you have trouble moving a mouse because now it's not in the same spot. When it's in the bottom left, you know you can just ram it into the side of the wall or the side of the screen and just go straight down and click. That is no longer the case. And so from a, a usability perspective, it's definitely a step down. Functionality-wise, the start menu is okay. It's whatever. It's a design. That's fine. Uh, obviously, the lack of customization was a big concern point for me, and that's what we do with Start 11 is like to move things in and out. And Microsoft really just said, you can have any start menu you want as long as it's this one. And... Mm -hmm. It doesn't work, well, doesn't look, I should say, pleasing when it's left aligned. So it's really designed for this centered experience. And Microsoft is, I don't know if they just have their blinders on currently. And they're saying like, look, we have a vision where Windows 12 is headed and we need people to get used to this style and setup. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. I'm, I'm not gonna share any information of what I'm about to say, but we at Stardock have a ton of information and we have a pretty good guess on what the adoption rate of Windows 11 is. And I'm here to tell you, it's not that great. Uh, and we've done a lot of looking. We don't know if we're going to publish anything. Uh, but Microsoft's decision to go to the route of Windows 11 is, is interesting and we're not seeing any sort of mass adoption. Now, granted, you can make a very clean argument. Says, Look, Brad, it's slower adoption because... You have to raise the floor on the hardware requirements. That's naturally going to stifle the amount of people that can upgrade. And you were absolutely right. There is nothing wrong with that statement. But at the same time, uh, considering it's free, considering everything new comes with it, and Microsoft's claim that it's loved by all um, is... It's interesting. It's interesting to see where the adoption is versus what Microsoft would probably like to report. And we know, without even me pulling out the data that we understand... Uh, that it's not super strong because if Microsoft, if it was, they would be talking about these numbers out in the real world. They just like to say, hey, we've got a billion and a half or whatever uh, Windows devices available on the market. And there you go. So that is that. Uh, either way, the Windows 11 start menu. Yeah, Tim Sweeney was was really not a fan and and that. Yeah. So anyways, if you're not familiar with Tim Sweeney, by the way, which I think most people probably are if you're listening to this, um, he is the person in charge of Epic, Fortnite, and all that. So uh, other things happening with Windows, uh, Microsoft is making major changes to how SMB compression operates in Windows 11 and Windows Server 2022. Uh, so that's just how, it's a communication protocol. And so Microsoft is making the compression just a little bit better. And so it should be a little bit, performant may not be the right word, I guess maybe it is the right word. It's a little less resource intensive now to send those communications. Uh, also, AMD announced this week the Ryzen 7000, and I will tell you these things look fantastic. This is their Zen 4 lineup, I believe on the AM5 socket. And I don't want to dive into the specs and benchmark, or specs, we don't have benchmarks yet because without benchmarks, they're... We need to just be cautious. The only thing I will point out is based on AMD statements, obviously we're getting a lot of cores. It looks like they've done some pretty good stuff on the uh, usage of the electrons, the the 
Intel chips are very power hungry. I think it's like the 12900K tops out like 240 watts uh, under max load, which is a lot. That's a lot. And so it looks like based on AMD's numbers, again, we need to get benchmarks and actual figures from third parties. It looks like they've really been able to keep the power throttling down. And so you may not, you might actually be able to keep your same current power supply rather than having to need like a thousand watt power supply to run some of this new stuff. So uh yeah either way a lot of stuff going on a lot of stuff going on in the world of technology this week on to the gaming news and some of the bigger news this week well, there's a lot of big there's a lot of gaming news the past seven eight days something like that is that the family plan for xbox game pass is now out now this is an interesting thing that actually i don't want to say leaked because this comes from officially from the microsoft but they are now trialing it in ireland and i believe colombia and so they put a web page up and then of course it gets uncovered and so it gives us just tons of details so i'm going to read through here the details of the xbox game pass family plan because this is a massive deal a massive deal for people who have a family and or friends and want to save a little bit of money and make it a little bit easier now and the family side, it's easier. If you're going to be using it with friends, there's some details you should be working about. So first off, starters, pricing. It looks like as of right now, it's going to be about $21. That is that is the conversion rate now. Granted, it might change by locale, but it looks like it's going to be about $21. So keep that all in mind. So how does it work? How does it work at the end of the day? Uh, this is what Microsoft says. There are two kinds of family and fan. How does it work? There are two kinds of friends and family plan members. The primary account holder is responsible for the payments and only member able to use, able to add other groups to the membership, while secondary group members are added or removed by the primary member. Basically meaning if it's your account, you get to control what is going on. Uh, to become a primary account holder, you must join friends and family through a digital Microsoft store. After joining, you can manage group members on your service and subscription page and fill as many or as few or set number seats as you would like aka if you sign up you can add and remove friends and family as you so show shall wield such power so that is up to you um, you can only share your membership with people who live in your country and slash region depending on how microsoft lives defines defines where you are so if you're in ireland right now and you're using this you can only share it with your fellow irish mates at the pub uh, you cannot share it with me here in the united states because it's not yet available here limitations so this is the key part here that you should be aware of you can only be a member of one group at a time as the primary account holder, you can invite up to four people at a time with a max of eight people who can accept or join your account per year, meaning you can't just move people in and out. Like what, you got to kind of keep them in there uh, for at least a substantial amount of time. Your group members can only join a group up to two times per year. This includes leaving and rejoining the same group. So if you're trying to get real funky and move around a whole bunch, Microsoft is saying like, look, you kind of got to just stay in a group. Don't plan on moving around. And only the primary account holder can share their Game Pass benefits it's via home sharing group members cannot share with other accounts on their console so keep in mind that again the primary account holder needs to be probably like the head of household home console sort of thing now other things there is a conversion rate here which if you have as an example 30 days of game pass ultimate this converts into 18 days of xbox game pass friends and family if you have 30 days of game pass just regular uh then it, that turns into 12 if you have 30 days of pc game pass again 12 30 days of live gold that turns into 12 and if you have 30 days of ea play that turns into six days of game pass friends and family so 
as it stands right now, it's only available in Ireland, Ireland and Columbia, but it's very clearly, this is the pilot. This is Microsoft making sure all the hiccups and everything are sorted out and before they unlock it for the rest of the world, which I expect to happen here in the fall. Moving on. So aside from the Xbox Game Pass family news and all that stuff, Halo dropped stuff. Uh, so Halo Infinite dropped what is the they, they called what they call the fall and winter roadmap. Now we were expecting network co-op to arrive in August. It, you know, they did a, a pilot or a beta, and if you sign up for all that, but it's not generally available. So they they dropped this roadmap, which means effectively is delayed. And I gotta tell you. It's not good. Uh, it's not good. So local co-op has just been completely canceled. If you want to sit next to your friend on your couch, it's not happening. It's just not happening. Uh, season three now starts in March. In in March, which basically means season two lasted nine months. Next season has been delayed probably like three months, depending on how you look at it. Which it, it just raises a lot of questions about what's going on inside the world of of uh, Halo Infinite. I mean. Yeah, either way. Uh, Forge is supposed to be coming, it looks like, maybe in November, but it's not explicitly clear. It just says that it's coming during the season, and so it, it looks like it's coming in November, uh, but we will wait and see. And there's like this non-season three, season three sort of thing happening here starting in November. They're not calling it season three, so it's, I guess, it's like, it's like season like two and a half. I don't even know what they want to call it, but there's some stuff coming in November. And so it looks like Forge, at least the Forge beta, will be part of that. There's also two maps coming in November, but again, that's not Season 3. Season 3 will start in the spring, and that will bring an additional two maps, a new weapon, a shroud screen deployable, and it will only last for three months, which is what we expect out of a season, not this real funkiness. And it, it's been beat into the ground, but what's whatever's going on with Halo Infinite, it... It, it's just disappointing, I think, at this point. My hopes and dreams were that, hey, they finally... with. The only two seasons happening since the launch that they were really just kind of like building up towards season three and they were going to have it effectively gave them an extra year of additional development time and that we were going to get some big drop. But as it turns out, we didn't. And uh, I, <laughs> you can go back and look at this channel when I wrote about, hey, there was development troubles in the beginning and nobody believed me. And then here we are, you know, having just a grand old time. Either way, that's the Halo 3 or Halo 3. Halo Infinite news about season three, season two ish. And mm. Um, also this week, Microsoft addressed the UK's concerns regarding the Activision Blizzard deal. So, uh, Microsoft or Phil Spencer specifically wrote a blog post as look, like this is what we plan to do with the titles. The UK came out and said, oh, you know, we're kind of concerned about what's going to happen here. It, it feels like it's a lot of just a formality of them saying like, look, you need to do some things to address the concerns that we have with this platform and with this acquisition. And that just kind of feels like what they're walking through rather than saying, yeah, it'll actually just go through. Uh, games for Gold for September. I believe this is going to be one of the last, if not the last Xbox 360 game. Portal 2 is coming to Games with Gold. That is a fantastic way to end this. And if you have not played Portal 2, it, first off, it's going to be free with Games with Gold. So, so just go grab it regardless. It is a fantastic title. And it's one of the rare ones that I look at. It's like, oof, I got to make sure I grab that because that one's really, really good. Uh, the white Xbox Elite Series 2 showed up on Amazon again, which really just means it's it's coming. It, it's coming. I'm expecting that this fall. Also, in semi-recent news, PlayStation hiked up the price outside of the U.S. And Xbox and Nintendo said, nope, we're not planning to do that. So it's going to be another win for the value proposition on the Xbox side and Nintendo side, which has always been there. 
Um, but it, it's Microsoft's like, look, we're not planning to raise prices outside uh, the U.S. at this time. Doesn't mean they can't or ever won't, but PlayStation definitely is. And a lot of that, I believe, is directly tied to currency fluctuations where the U.S. dollar ha has lowered uh, itself in relative value to, say, the euro. It's more, closer to one-to-one -one where it used to be a bit of a premium. And so PlayStation is feeling those currency headwinds and they're making price adjustments to uh, to offset for that. So there you go. Uh, Windows Insiders can also now launch cloud streaming gaming directly from the controller bar. So you know, if you're familiar with the controller bar, if you have a controller connected to your uh, PC, you'll know exactly what it is. You can now launch cloud gaming just a little bit easier. And finally, wrapping it up for the week because there wasn't enough gaming and ever everything else going on. Uh, Xbox Tokyo Game Show is coming on the 15th. And so be on the lookout for some highlights there. It's, I think, definitely more targeted to the Asian demographic when they when they do these things. But hey, at a, a Tokyo Game Show from Xbox coming on the 15th, that is good news, my friends. So uh, let's jump on in to the questions of the week here. Here we go. Here we go. So Qnox kicking it off for us. Hey Brad, hope you're doing well. I'm I'm back to doing well. I, I'm yeah, amped jazzed. Here we go. How confident are you on Microsoft getting the Activision deal through? I would put it at like a 6.75. I think that they have a pretty good case to get it through. I think it's going to take some hurdles, and it's not just going to be like here's a 70 billion dollar transaction. Please sign on the bottom dotted line. They're going to get make these regulatory bodies are going to require some concessions or. Uh, confidence agreements like, hey, you're not going to rip uh, Call of Duty, which is what Phil Spencer tried to write about from a, a, a competing platform. Like that is not something you're going to do. So I think it's, I, I would, it's better than, it's better than a 50-50 chance. I think it's actually a, a fairly decent chance they're able to get it through, granted, with concession. So Migi says, I just got my stream deck in Steam Deck, not Stream Deck, Steam Deck. And I was wondering, do you think Xbox will improve their performance improve their support for Linux in general. Um, I know, I, I'm not saying they would actively not make it good because Microsoft has a long way to go to really just perfecting launching on Windows and, and shoring up their own stuff on Windows before they would tackle Linux. It's not that they're anti-Linux. They used to be for a while. I just don't think it's a priority at this point because what is the value prop? And I don't know if the gaming community is large enough on that side to justify it. Doesn't mean they won't, but I think their solution right now is be like, look, if you're on Linux, just use cloud streaming. Uh, Kareem says, what is the realistic outcome of a, for a successful Windows on ARM transition? Just longer battery life? I know the industry champions like to say fanless hardware, LTE connectivity, but I don't think most people are complaining about their fans or LTE with data plans. I think you are exactly right. In my opinion, the successful launch or, or, or market capitalization of Windows on ARM for for the industry really just means more competition, which is competition is always a good thing, which means that you don't really know a difference when you buy a Windows on ARM machine, when you buy an Intel machine or you buy an AMD machine. That is the target and that is what they want to see is that they have that third entrant who is using a completely different architecture but is able to accomplish the same things on Windows. It just gives Microsoft more stability in that marketplace. I don't think we are, I don't, I would be shocked if we ever see an Apple-like transition for Windows where like the whole industry is just on ARM. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying it won't ever happen, but I don't think it's in the near-term future by any means that the industry, like everybody's going to like, ah, oh, yeah, everything's just an ARM device. No, I don't think that's in the future for Windows. I think it's always going to be this hybrid, like, hey, you've just got options. That is where they want to be and the best part would be that you don't know the difference other than potentially price point 
So, uh, Mr. PKI coming in with a question says, since we are catching up from last week's outage, yes, because I was off or out, I'm not even off. Uh, I thought it might be interesting to hear your thoughts behind Windows 11 start menus uh, by Jensen Harris, since you were heavily involved with start menu experiences at Stardock. Yes, yeah, so Jensen Harris was the other individual who is a higher profile individual online, online not like Tim Sweeney. Tim Sweeney is way up there. But the, the interesting thing about Jensen Harris here, so Jensen comes out and like, yeah, the start menu is, uh, it's bad. I don't, Microsoft, we used to take so much pride in the start menu. Jensen was like a key part of Windows 8 start menu debacle. So take everything sort of with a grain of salt that's like, it's a little rich to come out and say like, this start menu is trash. When Windows 8 uh, sunk Steve Ballmer's career sort of thing and Sanofsky's career sort of thing. And so to say, to come out with this, holier high horse attitude of like my opinion is more valid than others because I've worked on windows and I saw how much care was put into this stuff. And then it's like, what did you build windows eight start menu? Um, that is one thing. Now, that being said, I do tend to agree with what he is talking about. Same with Tim Sweeney. Again, start, start button that moves very poor design. The search experience on windows 11 is quite, quite bad. I do not like it. Start 11, which is something we, again, the product we build has its own start, search experience because we it was so bad we were like we gotta just change this out and just put our content and no web crap in there with the caveat the only web crap that is in our search experience are your open tabs in edge so if you use edge and you use start 11 when you search it actually indexes i think your open first five open tabs in edge so you can actually pull them up or last five active it might have been uh tabs so that is in there but that is your content not it's not like you search for it and like here's msn.com article sort of thing so uh there's just a lot of hubris around the menu right now i'm we, we'll see what microsoft does with windows 12 we'll just put it that way do they do they double down on this experience or do they try to go back to something a little bit more traditional jnbck says I've got a general tech question for you. I've just got fiber gigabit, gigabit fiber installed. Congratulations on that. And the company highly recommended getting a Wi-Fi 6 router. I currently have an Orbi satellite Wi-Fi 5 from 2019. Speed test straight from the router run gigabit from Wi-Fi. They run anywhere from 150 to 500 download. How much do you think Wi-Fi 6 might boost this? First off, do not buy a Wi-Fi 6 router. You want a Wi-Fi 6E router. E, I believe, uh, is the unlocks the nether the other megahertz or, or wavelength that is coming online as a new standard. So if you're buying a new router, you want the six E, which I know not six. Six will improve your performance. But let me ask you a real honest question here: 150 megs down is phenomenal. Like I know it's like you have a gig hardwired. I have the same thing. I have a gig hardwired, and I get roughly the same. I have a Wi-Fi five router uh, from like 2018, 2017. Amplify HD. I love it but I'm waiting for 6E to be at a more palatable price point because that's the one that makes sense to upgrade. Let's just pretend your laptop goes from 150 to 600 download, downloads anywhere in your house. What Does that change much for you? If the answer is no, which I suspect it probably is, because again, 150 down is like, it, that, you're not hurting at 150 down. You could stream anything you want at that. Now, granted, the, the edge case is like, if you're trying to download 50 gigs of some data, yeah, you're going to run into some potential challenges there. That is that is for sure. Not even challenges, just it would be a little bit faster, but just walk closer to your router. Uh, I don't think it's worth buying a Wi-Fi. It's not worth buying a Wi-Fi 6 router. It's worth buying a Wi-Fi 6E, but at the same time, I 
150 down, guys. Like, if that's your worst case scenario, it's, it's not bad. It's it's really not. So I, I, I understand the desire to want to get perfect connectivity throughout your entire house. I don't think the upgrade is going to be uh, substantial. I I really don't. Uh, Rambone says, I remember you mentioned on one of your podcasts you installed a Pi hole. Yes, I absolutely do have a Pi hole. Was it directly into your router or through some Raspberry Pi or different method? How has it been since you installed it? So what you do, if you're not familiar with a Raspberry Pi, is what it is is effectively a DNS uh, little directory that you unplug directly into your network. So how it's set up is you set up your Raspberry Pi. There's a million uh, different tutorials. It takes it takes half hour, 45 minutes max. Uh, you, you get your Raspberry Pi set up, you configure it, and then what you do is you go into your router and you change the DNS address to your own Pi that is on your network. And then, so what happens is any device that connects to your router then gets pointed to that Pi hole, and then that Pi hole connects directly to the internet. So everything goes gets filtered, if you will, through there. And what it allows you to do is to block IP ranges very easily. And there's lists you can subscribe to. So in my case, I have an LG TV that has some ads. And so you can subscribe to the LG TV block list. And then it just starts blocking that ad. Generally speaking, very good experience. There are a couple downsides, especially you need, that you should be aware. Of. Perfect example. If you go to Google and search and search and search uh, new black shoes and you open up Google, especially on your phone, you'll see like that carousel of stuff, like different pairs of black shoes. And you click on those. Every single one of those links is blocked by the pie hole. So you need to go in and manually unblock it. That is probably one of the more uh, obvious issues where it runs into it. And every once in a while, you'll be on a website because they use an Amazon affiliate link. You click it and then it's blocked. And so you run into those cases. It really just depends on what your tolerance is for allowing trackers and blockers. It is very easy to go into the pie hole and, and update it. And, and so things aren't blocked. That being said, it, it is a bit of work uh, as you just get the thing set up so that it works effectively for your comfort level. And so I recommend it. Like I'm, I'm one of those people who likes to tinker around. So I have enjoyed the experience and I don't know if it has made my home browsing safer, but if you run something like origin or uh, Adblock plus or something like that, where every web page tells you like how many things they're blocked, that number drops dramatically when you have a pie hole. So it does work. It doesn't work. And so Mr. Pika, I wrap it up from a question from last week. It seems that many people are moving away from Windows again and switching to Apple MacBooks again when they need hardware and Windows 11 is not exciting as an upgrade when buying new hardware. Are you seeing any trends in this area? I think we hear this sort of trend every time there's sort of an update wave. Now, granted, Apple has made a fantastic amount of noise when it comes to their M1, M2 chips. They have done a good job, not only just technically building a product that's good, but transitioning their hardware and doing a good marketing push and presentation about why this is a better and superior platform than the Intel or x86 sort of infrastructure. There's always going to be a demographic who will buy Apple. There's always going to be a very large demographic who needs Windows. I don't foresee the enterprise switching over to all Apple stuff here in any meaningful capacity in the near future. Yes, startups will always have it, but once you hit a certain scale and you need Active Directory and that sort of stuff, Windows just works better at scale. I don't, we'll have to, we'll have to watch the numbers. I don't have a great gut check on if Windows is hemorrhaging market share. I don't think this is anything like a Windows 8 situation, but at the same time, Apple has, Apple has a good thing going. So uh, there's that in Windows 11. 
I don't know if it has a great thing going. It, it's it's okay, and it's, it's going probably out of course, but it's not getting the adoption that Microsoft would hope, I believe, at least based on my information. So uh, either way. Either way, friends. Either way. That wraps up just a bunch of tech news, a bunch of good questions in the hopper. I made it all the way through this with only having like two little coughs, which I've now edited out and you can't find. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't forget them. And uh, either way, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with me. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend and we'll catch all of you right back here next time.